It's good to be awake. I think I'm awake. Miss Shirley's got one of Carl Johnson's excuses. He said, if you wasn't here, you ought to be in the hospital. Well, that's where she is. Let's pray for my dear wife today. She'd be here if she could. Bless her heart. We started a series of sermons last Sunday on the, on the church covenant that hangs on the wall, parallel with the, with the scripture. Look in the book of Psalms, chapter 122. That's a good psalm for us to look at. Psalm 122. I'll read the first three verses. I'm glad Lily's here. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Miss Lily. Glad you're here. Rochelle's friend. Thank you for coming to see us in the church. Psalm 122. I was glad when he said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, as is of the house of the Lord, O Jerusalem. Look at verse 3. This is what I want to try to emphasize. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. That's the church. Amen. Now, in this, it was their temple and their worship where they were glad to go into the house of the Lord. But for our purposes, the church of God is a city that is compacted together. Amen. Got members on this side, members on that side, but they all make up that one body right. in the Lord. Now, we've been... Uh, reading the covenant or stu- studying the covenant. It is not the Bible, but there are very many biblically oriented things. Paragraph 2, we engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love. That's Bible. Amen. Strive for the advancement of this church Amen. in knowledge and holiness and comfort promote its prosperity and its spirituality to sustain its worship, uh, comfort, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. I think that uh, uh, doctrines is where we stopped uh, last Sunday evening. The introduction of of doctrine and people will say well I don't believe in doctrine but the truth of the matter all that word means is what you teach if you don't believe in it then you don't believe in teaching nothing let me pray and we'll we'll see what I got to say today Heavenly Father thank you today for the privilege to pray Thank you for the church and all the dear people that are here compacted together as the city of Jerusalem was years ago. Father, I pray that you would help us as we go to preach. 
we are feeble. We are not able to do as you would have us to do unless you send your sweet Holy Ghost to aid us in our preaching. I pray, our Father, that you would watch over our dear wife while we're apart. Lord, that uh, before long you'd have us both back in the house of God together. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Doctrine. Now the introduction of false doctrine into the church can ring a, a death knell for the church's advancement. An example that I would use would be the New Testament church of Corinth. Corinth was uh, inundated with false doctrine. Yeah. They had all kinds of things. Uh, they were preacher worshipers. They, they had uh, uh, the tongues experience. They had the miracle stuff. They were just inundated with false doctrine. No one and believe in true doctrine, solid doctrine, uh, the pure gospel. Uh, well, uh, it's not a guarantee against sin, but I guarantee you that if you do not hold things right, you will be led into sin. Amen. So there's a possibility of you failing with the true doctrine, let alone if you're with false doctrine. We're going to major in righteousness. We need to know what righteousness is. We're going to major in the standards of God. We need to know what standards He has. Foundational Christian truth and sound doctrine. You remember Jude when he was writing to to his folks said uh, uh, that uh, it was necessary for him to teach you about sound doctrine. The Corinthian church was as carnal as any church in the New Testament. About like the churches on the streets of downtown Charleston. Amen. They were class-minded. They were gift, false gift Christians. Uh, it even got to the point where the, the church didn't care about a man that had his father's wife in an adulterous relationship. That's pretty sorry if you ask me. Remember that the devil has to have bodies to do his work. He has to have people. He has to have people that are willing to listen to the spirit and then go and do the work that the devil's trying to promote. And then you've got in every church, you've got those self-appointed guardians or critics of what the church ought to be and they're going to naysay everything that the church wants to do. God forbid that we would not uh, help us not to join that church record crowd. We need to promote the spirituality of our church. Christianity is an emotional faith, whether you know that or not. Some people say, well, I don't believe in emotion. But Christianity is an emotional faith. But emotion alone is not spirituality. Amen. We need to promote the, the uh, uh, spirituality of our church. Emotionalism, uh, I'll, I'll give you a good example. The false prophets up on Mount Carmel were an emotional crowd. 
I mean, they worked themselves up into an emotional frenzy. They even cut themselves and, and cried, God, uh, uh, Baal, save us, hear us. But there was no answer from heaven. So emotionalism has got its point, but its point is not to be the main point. Amen. Loud prayers of the Pharisees. They would like to stand on the corner and just show everybody how good a prayer they were. Amen. I'm, I'm sure they got emotional, probably hot, if you know what I'm talking about. Lord, uh, help us uh, as we go. They've probably done it that way. But I'm saying that they were doing it just to be seen of men. I heard about some folks uh, out in the early days of the West who, who were going through the country and asking people what their needs were. And they would tell them, and, and whenever they would tell them, do you need prayer? And they'd say, yes, I need prayer. And they'd say, well, will you bow your head and close your eyes? And they said, yes. And so they bowed their head and closed their eyes. And while they were, uh, had their eyes closed, they were picking their pockets. <laughs> Sound like that uh, TV preacher crowd yeah. to me. They got you all interested in being emotional. And the same time, they're picking your pockets. Yeah. Weeping may or may not be spiritual. Now I'll just leave Jimmy Swaggart's tears and his repentance, I'll leave that between him and God. I won't mess with that at all. But let me tell you, just because you can cry doesn't mean you're promoting the spirituality of the church. There's a lot of people who didn't believe old brother Jimmy whenever he gave that speech. And then there are tears of joy Amen. My mama used to shed them here, if y'all remember. There are tears of joy. There are tears of conviction. There are tears of sadness because God's Word has penetrated our heart. There are tears that, uh, that God knows the difference between and He can actually separate them and He's got a bottling factory. Amen. There he can put our tears in His bottle. Now, real spirituality, children is the development of the soul to the point where it can control the flesh. Can you control your flesh? Amen. Live a life obedient to the holy book of God. Living by the book should be the goal of every Christian. Every one of us should say, I want to live by the rules. I want to live by the, the Spirit of God, bears witness with that and produces fruit in our life when we try our best to live by His book. Galatians chapter 5, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness and faith and meekness, uh, temperance against us, there is no law. They've crucified their flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, we also should walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. Uh, these qualities should show up in our life. Do you love your neighbor? Do you have joy in your heart? I mean, why do you come to church looking like a, a mule that's able to eat oats out of a five-gallon bucket? without even bending his head, long face. You know what I'm talking about? Looked like a coal boss when the belt was down, if you understand what I'm talking about. Just, just, just long face. Why should we be that way? There's joy in serving Jesus. There's peace in serving Him. 
There's the ability to suffer long and be gentle and good to people. There's peace and faith and meekness and temperance. They should show up. They're definitely a testimony to us. And Peter also gives us a means of evading barrenness when he said in 2 Peter, besides all this, give diligence to add to your faith. Add to your faith virtue and, and virtue knowledge and knowledge temperance and, and to uh, 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 temperance, patience, patience, godliness, and godliness, brother kindness, and brother kindness, charity. Then he said, for if these things be in you and abound, they'll make you that you'll not, never be barren. You'll never be, have a time when you're unfruitful. Amen. Unfruitful knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll notice verse 9, he says, Peter, not me, Peter says it's, it's possible for you to forget you even got saved. <laughs> now, Baptists wouldn't teach you that, but the Bible does. It's possible for you to get in such a shape, such a backslidden shape, that you forgot that you even got saved. I was talking to some boys out in the woods one time, and uh, uh, both of them had Christian testimonies but neither of them went to church. And they didn't know that they were saved. And I don't think God wants you to know you're saved if you're backslidden and out of His will. As one body in Christ, if we cooperate with one another in our worship, in our doctrines, our discipline, we can present the world an example of what the church ought to be what the church of Christ should be. And one way of doing that is sustaining its worship. That's what it said over there on the wall. What does that mean? Hebrews 10, 25, it says that that, uh, uh, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Uh, Amen. Not only should we attend church, but I think we should take part in church. Uh, We should give physical expression to our affection for the Lord, not to the church, but to the Lord God only. There is more, however, than one way to testify in the church of God. Some people major on just what you say, but a lot majors on what you do as a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody on God's green earth uh, needs to be bowed down to but God Almighty. We should do our part in the preaching, in the praying, the singing, the shouting, the teaching, the giving. We should do our part. The covenant covers the two ordinances of the church. Jesus himself is the one that gave us the ordinances we had. We didn't make them up from some some person along the road that this is what we ought to do. But the ordinances we practice are the ones that Jesus out of his own mouth told us to practice. Uh, Direct orders from headquarters. The commission delivered in Matthew chapter 28, uh, he instructed us with the new made disciples to baptize them. So the first ordinance of our church is water baptism. I may come back to that. I don't remember whether I do or not. But the second order is eating of the Lord's Supper. Amen. Luke twenty-two nineteen. he took bread, gave thanks, break it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Now, we do not 
accept baptism from devil churches. We do not accept baptism from improper churches. We do not take communion with Hindus or Shintoists or Buddhists. Hebrews 13, 10, we have an altar uh, where they have no right to eat. I think, is this my opinion or is this the book? I I think that the church should be clean. I think it needs to be. A a discipline should be administered if that's what it takes to keep it clean. And you know the best kind of discipline is self-discipline. If you'll discipline yourself, the church won't have to... But negatively, it is uh, what you avoid those practices that you know are sinful. If you have something in your life that you know God has already convicted you of it and you know that it's wrong, the simple two-word solution, quit it. As my wife used to say when she'd get mad at me, stop it. Even if they just appear to be wrong, the Bible said to shun the very appearance of evil. It don't even have to be wrong. If it looks wrong, don't do it. Amen. I think the church should be clean. I think that that, uh, uh, positively the cultivation of those things that you know are Christian. Uh, You need to pray. You need to read your Bible. You need to study it. You need to fellowship with other Christians. You need to tithe. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from the all appearance of evil. Does, does the modern church even have this in their Bible? 2 Thessalonians 3.6, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly, Amen. and not after the tradition which you received of us. When was the last time you heard somebody being churched? Now that used to happen years ago. A lot. But when was the last time that you heard of somebody being churched? I'll tell you what. The last churched person that I can remember, I've done it right here in this church. Yeah. Amen. So that would be a warning for you yeah. that it is possible if you go punching the preacher in the jaw and stuff <laughs> to get churched right here. Amen. That is possible. Yeah. Now people say uh, what we need to do is forget our doctrine. Paul said to Timothy, Take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. The apostle proclaimed doctrine to be the means of salvation. Now I'm a Baptist, amen. In this church you're going to hear Baptist preaching. Baptist doctrine. You will not hear the same in other churches. I do not want my people to be blown about with every wind of doctrine. But amen, I think they ought to be, if you believe it, you ought to preach it. And since I'm a Baptist, I've been a Baptist long and I've been a Christian. You figure that one out. Amen. For all the Athenians and the strangers which were spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or hear some new thing. Jeremiah told it correctly, 6.16, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the way, and see and ask for the old path wherein is the good way, and walk therein, then you'll find rest for your soul. What makes a Baptist a Baptist? Hang on for a minute. Some other denominations may hold some of these things, 
but I, I'm going to give you seven of them that are marks of a Baptist, okay? Does that scare you? Well, let's hang on to your seat. I'll be done there in less than 45 minutes. Uh, what makes a Baptist a Baptist? Number one, a Baptist believes the Bible is the Word of God. Yeah. Further than that, we believe the AV 1611 King James Bible yeah. is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Yeah. I believe it was given by inspiration. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration. Uh, amen. Uh, uh, and it is uh, uh, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, not only is it given by inspiration, but if you're a Bible believer, you know it is understood by inspiration. Job 32, 8, There is a spirit in a man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth him understanding. Hey, somebody said, well, uh, God don't inspire today. Yes, he does. If you understand it, it's because God revealed it to you. You remember when Jesus asked Peter, who do people say I am? Uh, Peter said, you're the son of God. And he said, you didn't get that from uh, Bible college. Uh, you didn't get that from the synagogue. Uh, the God of my Father in heaven is the one that revealed that to you. Amen. We believe the, the Luke 24, uh, uh, 45, Jesus opened their understanding that they might understand the Scripture. So if you like wisdom, how about asking God, who giveth all men liberally and upgradeth not, and it'll be given to you. We believe, number one, that the Bible is the Word of God. And when I say Bible, I mean the one that I got right here in my hand. I'm not talking about one that got hid over in the Vatican somewhere. I'm talking about this and they got right here in my hand. It is the inspired word of the living God. Number two, Baptists will teach you that salvation is by grace. By grace through personal faith in the work that Jesus did on Calvary. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how, how that uh, Christ died for our sins, uh, according to the Scripture, that He was buried and uh, arose again the third day, according to the Scripture. Uh, amen. This salvation is, is, is commonly called uh, being born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Salvation, born, new birth, is by grace through faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Three, we believe that baptized, or we believe that believers ought to be baptized. Yeah. Baptized in water. That is totally immersed. Amen. That is buried. Yeah. Not as a picture, not as a picture of birth, but as a picture of death, burial, and resurrection. Right. At Romans 6 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in the newness of life. So if you are a believer in Christ, you need to be baptized. Yeah. Amen, hallelujah. Yeah. Amen, if you are a saved person, you need to be baptized. Amen. Yes, you do. You need to find you some Baptist preacher and say, hey, I'd like to get baptized. Yeah. And, and the Lord will abide you. Amen. Yeah. Let me say this. Baptists teach that salvation, once it is attained, is eternal. Amen. John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life, 
and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Uh, uh, truly, uh, uh, those who have truly been born again cannot have that birth enough. Now, don't preach once in grace, always in grace, because I've seen a lot of people turn into a disgrace. But I do preach, uh, uh, he can be a castaway, but he can never be lost. Uh, salvation is an eternal thing. The priesthood of all believers, that is, that you're as much a priest as anybody. You don't have to go to uh, dress up somebody in behind a little wall there and convey. No, you're just as much a priest as the more of a priest than the Pope over yeah, in there. Amen. Every man is to be fully persuaded in his own mind. You cannot go to heaven on the preacher's religion. A religious freedom is vital. Amen. We must be free to operate the way God directs us. That's why the church and the state can't be long in the same place. Yeah. Because one of them's got to tell the other one what to do. Yeah. Six, there's two offices in the church. There's the office of a pastor and the office of a deacon. Yeah. Pastors in the Bible are called elders, they're called bishops, they're called shepherds, and other titles. But the, the office of the deacon uh, uh, is the, the servant. The Lord's Supper is the other ordinance of the church. And I, I got a little bit of time. Let me close this seven list. There could be more. But a church is a body of believers who have been baptized spiritually by the Holy Ghost and baptized in water by the authority of the local church. Church membership is supposed to be only for those who have been regenerated by the power of God. If you have not been saved, you don't need to be a member of God's church. Come in here through the back door. You know what I'm talking about? Slip in here some, some, uh, like a thief and a robber. Still in paragraph 2, as where I am, still in paragraph 2 uh, uh, is a, a cheerful and a regular contributor to the support of the church Amen. and the ministry. Amen. A cheerful. <laughs> I mean, I, I very seldom see, see anybody, we, we, we bring out the collection plate. And I've yet to see probably go, well, glory, they're going to take up an offering. I can't wait. Why are we that way? The love of money is the root of all evil. The church needs support. A tithing is the common name, even though it's Old Testament. But a man is obligated to provide financial assistance for several things. First place, you're obligated to fi financial assistance for your own family. What kind of a preacher lets his family go? Amen, and goes on and makes wealthy money and his grandmother pours Job's turkey. That's another story. Amen. Obligated. I think if you waste your family's food on gambling and drinking and doping, you're flat wrong. The same thing is wrong when you take God's tithe and spend it on foolishness. Billy Kelly one time went to visit one of his church members in the hospital and he said, what's wrong with you, brother? And he said, God just took my tithes. Yeah. That, that, that'll Amen. go across that mile. I, I wasn't going to give them to him, so he had to remove them forcibly. 
We are to contribute cheerfully. We are to contribute regularly. We are stewards of God's wealth. He's the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one with the wealth in every mind. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, under the law, God directly commanded men to tithe. Under grace, he directly commends people who will tithe. Amen. God hasn't indicated an amount in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. How the Lord has prospered you. He actually left that up to you to judge. Have I prospered this week? How many hospital trips have I made? Amen. Oh, I didn't make any. Well, you might be more prosperous than your preacher. Give with joy. Freely we have received. Freely we should give. Give to the ministry. I mean, giving to the ministry is not a charity. Amen. Uh, the labor is worthy of his hire. A faithful pastor should receive double honor. Amen. That's what the book says. And we got so many tight-fisted Baptists that thinks, amen, I've had them right here. Most of them's gone now. But I had them right here and thought I ought to work in the coal mines and not ask the church for a dime. They didn't care how, how, how I was going to pay for the suits that I wear. And incidentally, I don't even like wearing suits. They wasn't going to care for uh, how many books I had to buy or how much study time I had. That was, I should do that freely. But the book said God takes care of the oxen and he doesn't take care of the oxen just so he can take care of the oxen, but he's taking care of them so you can see that you need not to muzzle the oxen plows out the corn. You may not know this, but if you've got a real man of God, you ought to thank the Lord for him every day. then you ought to give to the expense of the operating of the church, the building, the utilities, Amen. the Sunday school literature, the song books. Amen. Christian character is directly related to our willingness to give. The first thing that we need to give is ourselves. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 5, first gave of themselves uh, uh, to the Lord and then, then they gave with simplicity. Another gift that we should make is to the less fortunate in our church. We demonstrate the love of Christ when we help our brother that's in need. The gospel is to help the poor. It gives them hope that nothing else can. We should support the furtherance of the gospel. I think that's the last sentence, isn't it? Spread of the gospel through all nations. We should support that. There's no more obligation that's more important than obeying Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world. We need to take the gospel everywhere we go. Uh, preaching the gospel keeps men and women out of hell. Through the missions ministry of the church, we attempt to preach the gospel to all nations. Now, now, let me just give you this. Now, I personally believe, and I, I've got uh, 
scripture for it. But I believe in heaven they speak Hebrew. But, but that doesn't matter. Uh, maybe whenever you get to heaven, somebody could come up to you uh, uh, speaking Japanese or Spanish or the East Slavic language of Ukraine. Somebody come up to you on the street of glory and say, And then another one will come up to you, And then another one might come up and say, gracious." Wouldn't that be something? Amen. You know, we put money in all three of those places. Yeah. And there's people saved in all three of those places because the support that this church gives a missionary right. who's over there. Yeah. Amen. Now, I, I'm not a real good tongue speaker, but I can tell you what all three things, what I said was thank you. Yeah. In heaven, they will say thank you for bringing me the gospel. Let's bow for prayer.